and welcome to How to Adult. I don't really know where to start this one as my thoughts are all over the place, much like the solution for this climate crisis. The climate crisis is something I've wanted to talk about on the podcast for a while and is something that seeped through many episodes. It's a topic much like the education system that I pretend to know a lot but still know very, very little about. Something I know needs to change but don't quite know how. But perhaps something I know how to start to change? My guest this episode, George, however, does have a much more first-hand experience with the damage that's being caused to our oceans, which is contributing to a climate crisis. And this episode, we have an honest discussion about our woes, confusion, my lack of knowledge and our hopes. And you'll also hear about his lost moment, becoming an adult, which we love on this podcast, and his career change. What I normally find quite distressing about the amount of information out there telling us that frankly we are in massive trouble and it might be too late is that there are not a lot of realistic solutions. How does your average Joe actually help or solve a crisis in this scale? This, quite frankly, is one of the many things that have contributed to my quarter-life crisis as not only do I not have my life together but the planet is also being destroyed in the meantime and no one, it seems, who can make a real difference seems to be doing anything about it. It felt so clear-cut to me that the planet is in such a dire need for us to change or it will cause a mass destruction in our lifetime and a lot of lives will be lost in my lifetime alone. So why isn't everyone as scared as I am? But humans are much more complicated than this, along with how society functions, which is a big lesson that I'm learning. I do still, however, find it mad that people aren't talking about our fishing industry and how important our oceans are and what's really damaging the ocean. I mean, how did I only find out about how important this is a week ago? However, from talking to George, I've realised that he is much level-headed than I am, first off. I'm way too irrational when it comes to things like this, which doesn't help the situation at all, or my want to get people on board. So hopefully, if you are as irrational and scared as I am, this might help. Writing this title alone even made me realise that George has already helped me approach the climate crisis less irrationally. It's a privilege to care about the climate crisis, most importantly. It affects all of us, but really it's just another worry in this already stressful and very difficult world that we live in. So to conclude, I still have so many questions and there are so many conversations still to be had, but I hope that this is a great start to this. So enjoy! Well, hello, George. Hey, Sabrina, how you doing? I'm doing good. I like that. I, I always have this into like people can get used to people's voices, but I, we obviously have already said hello like 10 minutes ago. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so today's topic is broad, um, but we're going to get specific. But overall, I guess it's something that I've wanted to talk about for ages, and it's the environment, the climate change just the universe that we live in uh, is something that's very new to me very recent things that I have kind of just become on my radar and um some of that means like from a few years ago but as we're later on some of that means that like stuff that I just discovered over this weekend that we've just had and um, I'm here with George who we went to school with and I guess I'll leave it to you George and like do you want to explain a bit about who you are how old you are 
Yeah, so, um, yeah, Simone mentioned we went to school together. So, same year, I'm 26, going on 27. Um, and I guess we're here to talk about how I went from being someone who worked in something else to exploring other things and then knowing about the environment and what we can do to be more aware and kind of move towards a more like, I guess, sustainable, more responsible way of life kind of thing. For sure, that, that you raised such a good point already that George, as we'll get onto, is probably someone that, just like me, has, um, as we'll talk about later on in the podcast, gone through some adult, um, questionable, not questionable, like questions in life, like what do I want to do with my life? Like I feel like that might be something. From mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm, I don't definitely. know a lot, but that you've questioned at some point since leaving school anyway. Uh, so I guess my first question is, what is your relationship with the environment and like, have you always been interested in that? The environment feels so, like such a, a broad term. I don't know what I'm trying to say, like climate change, the environment as we know it. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I get you. So, I mean, it's actually pretty new to me. So only really the last... I'd say like four or five years, I kind of really cared about it. Before I was just a regular old teenager, didn't care about any of that stuff. Like I was just like enjoying life and kind of didn't realize the impact that I was having on, I was having on the environment, the way that I was um, living my life kind of thing. Do you think that's because you were like blissfully unaware or because you just like, we're young and we don't really care about those kind of things yeah I think that it's a bit of both um I think main, mainly blissfully unaware I think where we grew up the things which I'm interested in is the environment but really really what I love is the ocean um and where we grew up we never really had this connection or we never had this um I guess this affinity to these these environments kind of thing so I I mean, again, blissfully unaware, but then also, if you're a teenager, you don't care about this stuff. Like, I'm just going out doing the usual teenager stuff, do you know what I mean? <laughs> so true. And yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, um, me and George lived, um, whilst we were at school, in the middle of the country. So we grew up, like, not close to the sea, unless you count, like, Western Supermare, which I wouldn't say is the most... Um, mm beautiful beach marine life Mm -hmm. (laughs) place that's close to us uh so yeah that's such a good point we don't really have like my mum grew up by the sea and some of my friends grew up by the sea and that I feel like they always have this infinity with like I want to be by the ocean and I want to um be by the sea and I just I'm like oh yeah like the beach is nice and I really it's a place I like going but it's not something that I've ever had an infinity with before just we don't it's more like my home feels like fields. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, even even when we lived in the, the country and stuff, like, I felt until maybe a couple of years ago, I still didn't care for it. Like, I, I look back on it and I think to myself, yo, we lived in such an amazing place for all these years and we had all these amazing things around us. But, like, that's just regular, regular, regular life to us. Like, we don't care about that stuff at that point. Oh, 100%. Now I live in London, I'm, like, craving to, like, run around in a field like a little loser. But... <laughs> voice like yeah we and before it was a bit annoying actually because it was like well we can't go out there's like nowhere Uh close you can't go to the shops um but now I feel like yeah for sure I I, 
have taken that for advantage and now I really appreciate it. Uh, also, that's such an interesting thing about you now having um, an interest in the ocean and what goes on there because uh, as I <laughs> messaged you about a few weeks ago when I first wanted to talk about the reason why in particular, I was like, Georgie, I really, really want to pick your brain about this is because I absolutely know nothing about the ocean. And a reason why I became a vegetarian is because I, a few years ago, had this weird thing where I think it perhaps it was a time where it started being thrown in our faces and a lot more documentaries were made about the impact that we have um to do with eating meat and where it's sourced from and and how it's killed and how they're fed and just the impact that eating meat has on the environment as well as like fast fashion I I did a a few things that I realized really contributed to that and that I could change myself but from watching those documentaries I I do this with a lot of things where I get a bit um obsessed (laughs) Well, I hear something and I'm like, how did I not know this before? And now I, as a person, am having a huge impact on the universe as it stands. And it's not dying. Basically, the planet is changing and we're going to die as a result of it. And how did I not know this? And how did I not know that my... um, I have a huge impact on this. And then I get a bit obsessed with, like, telling people, like, do you can we believe this and everyone's like yeah and then I think now a a lot more is being done but um that was a really big tangent for I had absolutely no idea that the ocean had any impact on the amount of CO2 that it can hold for us the amount of oxygen that it supplies us until I watched Seaspiracy over the weekend which is after I wanted to talk to you about this stuff but then after I watched that documentary I was like oh my god George have you watched the documentary because now I feel like I know a bit more it's even more important that I want to talk to you about it because I can't believe that I didn't take in consideration that the sea was such an important integral part of our planet yeah so I think the um I mean you're not the only person like it's it's obvious that if you're not exposed to these things and like one you don't have this connection and two it's not right in front of you you don't know the benefits and the way that the, these things work kind of thing. So unless you go out there and you you educate yourself by, I don't know, going to an aquarium or spending more time by the ocean and speaking to people who know about it, you're not really going not really gonna know about it. And the problem is, especially for people like us who grew up in the countryside, countryside slash the city, um, a lot of us don't have any connection to the ocean at all. Like, my, my connection to the ocean when I was a kid was that I used to hate that. I used to have real bad eczema. Like, you wouldn't catch me within 100 metres of the sea. If I was going in the sea, my eczema and the back of my knees would be flaring up. I just refused to do it. Yeah, exactly. So until, until I was, like, 15, when I went to Malta, um, and my mum was like, yo, this kid's going to be so annoying if we don't find him something to do. And she's like, send, send, the, boy, send the boy scuba diving. Send him to go to St. Yusuf and that's out of my face so I could chill for these two weeks. And until I did that and I realised, like, yo, these things, there's amazing things underneath the waves and there's amazing things which we can see, but we're just not exposed to kind of thing. The only real way that you would see it if you don't get involved in it is through, like, mainstream media, so, like, Blue Planet and Seaspiracy, which is, like, a really, really good way of getting messages across and bringing these, this kind of attention to people where they didn't realise it needed attention. 
So I guess it's good to maybe a good point to um, a good place to explain now. What do you do? What are you studying? And how did you get into having this connection with the ocean? So I am studying marine conservation, um, and that's all come as a result of, as we mentioned before, kind of just like a change of direction and realizing that to me there's more important things to do than what I previously did or previously was interested in. Um, And my connection comes from, as I said, I was lucky enough to go scuba dive in. And then a couple of years back, I was lucky enough again to travel to the other side of the world and spend some time messing around doing even more scuba diving and getting involved in like conservation projects and stuff like that. And then coming back and realizing that, yeah, this is actually something which is really important to me. And I see a lot of value in it. How can I get involved? Hence why... I moved towards going back to university. How did you get involved in the conservation projects? I actually have no idea. All I know is you went travelling for a bit and I know many people that have gone travelling and mm-hmm. um, many friends that have gone as well as you, but they not go. And like Izzy, our friend, for example, she went scuba, she went scuba diving when she went travelling, but she didn't send join a conservation project like how did you get into that when traveling I don't feel like that's something that um many people have have gotten into when they're on their travels so I was with my partner and we were volunteering in this in this hostel in in Panama um really cool island there's no cars or nothing and we were there for a month but I was just volunteering in the bar on the nights so I had nothing to do throughout the day when it was like super sunny and stuff um and there was a there was a dive school on the other side of the jetty. So I went over there one day and I thought, you know what, I'm going to ask this dude if I can help him out. So I speak to the boss man in the, um, in the <laughs> shop and I'm like, yeah, I'm here for a month. I'm just working on the nights. So I've got nothing else to do in the day. I used to do some diving when I was 15 years old, 16 years old or whatever. Um, can you hook me up? Like, what's happening? Can I come and help out or whatever? And he was like, yeah, whatever. Come chill here. Come do whatever you want. So I basically was there, like, started off, like, cleaning masks and stuff and, you know, cleaning equipment, nothing exciting. And then after a while, he was like, yo, you've done enough work now for free. Just hop on the boat, come out diving with us. And he actually gave me, like, a couple free courses. And then I was lucky enough to go from there to keep moving on and volunteering and stuff. And then we we settled somewhere in Honduras for a month and stayed there. And I was then lucky enough to have the chance to help out at this place called the Whale Shark and Oceanic Research Centre. So basically they, they collect research on whale sharks um, and all the marine life around there. And they do like internships. So I was lucky enough to be like, yeah, I'll spend a bit of money and I'll, I'll hang out here for a month and I'll learn how I can do all these things and how I can like step towards doing this as something which could be a career. Amazing. I mean, firstly, big up to you for asking someone if you could volunteer and do further stuff because you didn't know what to do with your day. Because a lot of people would just, like, chill on the beach or, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, because you, you were there to explore, um, but you are also kind of there for a holiday and, and you were working. Um, but incredible. Amazing. So from there... Am I right in thinking, and I'm only getting this from pictures that I saw from your Instagram during the time, that you <laughs> were that you um, one part of this was helping? Um, is it is this the right terminology? Regrow the coral, helping sus- 
bring back coral? I don't know. What, I mean, what the term of that I, is. I guess it is. It is kind of. So it's called coral restoration. So it's like, um, it's like little bits of coral break off, and you then just grow them bigger, larger, so they can then be replanted into the natural environment. So you can rebuild these reefs, kind of thing. I mean, it takes years and years and years, but that's the kind of the premise of it. And when you were there, did they just, did anyone like discuss or explain, or maybe did you know beforehand why coral needed to be restored in the first place? Um, so I knew it because part of like your, your diving qualifications is that you know a certain amount about the, um, you know a certain amount about the environments that you're, you're kind of working in. Uh, and then I knew it just because I was interested as well. Like I was really interested in that kind of thing. So I was lucky enough to know that kind of thing there. But I mean, you could go to a place like one of these um, and say, you know, I'm a novice, like I've finished uni or whatever. I've got no idea what I'm doing. Like, just show me something new. And these places are more than willing to help because the thing about conservation is that um, people spend so much time doing it. But really what we need is, is more people to do it and more people to buy into it and showing them stuff which is, can give them awe and wonder is a way of doing that. Amazing. I think my only experience with, um, I mean, from documentaries saying that the coral beds have like a basically a graveyard site and they've just died. And then when um, me and Zach, my partner went to Bali, we went snorkeling and I literally remember we went diving to see different places and in Bali they've they've put statues um in the seabed so that it's a tourist attraction and I I fell for it and um made everyone go on this trip and then I quickly realized (laughs) that um (laughs) why did I make everyone do that it's basically just another photo opportunity it's not like some wondrous discovered um thing but that's okay that's how they're getting their money it was just there was just a lot of people there and then they took us um on this trip to see some coral and it before we had done this trip there's like loads of washed up dead coral like all over the beach and you're standing on it and i'm thinking it's just like dead like it's just rocks like it's just a rocky beach but it's not you're just mm-hmm. crunching your toes between a lot of dead coral um and then they took us to this section and he was like this is one of the last um colored pieces of coral and there's a picture of me like with my thumbs up like look there's a red piece of coral <laughs> and then i got home and i started doing um watching more things and just became aware that like oh my god that's a fucking horrific situation and i didn't even understand the gravitas as to like what that was like we were surrounded by a dead sea life uh and there was one last bit left. And I was like, oh, yeah, look at this. One last piece left. Like, oh, this is cool. Look, here it is, the red piece. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Madness. Like, it's dying. It's like taking a picture of, like, dead fish. Like, it literally is that. <laughs> I couldn't... Madness. And my, from my um, understanding, the reason as to why this is, was... Someone said it's because... And this is probably has maybe some elements of truth, or maybe I've just, like, picked up a lie. Like... Even when when you're on holiday, like the amount of sun cream and shit that you wear when you go into the sea, it then kills off animals as well as then the main part being climate change and the fact that uh, the temperature of 
the planet is increasing which means the sea level temperature is also increasing and killing the coral but then from watching sea spiracy over the weekend i now have a different understanding that actually um a large part of this becomes is from overfishing and the fact that the coral needs fish poop basically to survive Mm -hmm. and the less fish that we have the less coral there's gonna be so maybe it's contribution of all of those factors have i got that right do you know yeah i think you've actually nailed it like there's actually like a million and one things which can go wrong and they can contribute to um any environment being being damaged and coral is like a really vulnerable one because there's so many things which it's exposed to like you mentioned like climate change um lack of of fish on the reefs and stuff like that and then even just the fact that it's in the ocean and like imagine a big ass wave comes along and breaks it like that's still that's still gonna damage it kind of thing there's just a million and one things which can be an issue for it kind of thing yeah no okay that's good to know and then the saddest part of that is uh, it sounds like a lot of it's coming from just like the greed and the overpopulation of of this planet which makes me (laughs) very sad and i guess the main reason why i've been so keen to discuss the environment for a long time is because one i couldn't believe that we weren't taught this at school or i just didn't know this as a younger age like it didn't feel like common knowledge that any um that just one person as an individual could have such a huge impact on almost destroying so much natural resources that we have i mean i i I think we learned about like fracking and we learn about that we needed to create like wind energy and science and stuff that could be helpful to uh help the planet so we didn't run out of resources eventually from because we couldn't get them naturally but i didn't understand how quickly our planet is going downhill and i think when i realized this i was like what the fuck like why are we not all shouting this from the rooftops why is everyone not doing something about this why does no one care like why are we only just finding out this information and then i would talk about it with people and like family and other friends would be like simone you're mad or like look at her she's like the environmental hippie freak and i'm like Mm -hmm. what do you not care i don't understand (laughs) yeah i think it's it's weird because like i don't like if you look at me and like you know me as a person like i don't fit that mold of that environmental hippie freak um but i think a good point to be made about what you said about people not shouting it is that uh it's easy to forget that people to, to to worry about the environment and to worry about nature and stuff like this is actually a really massive privilege for, for people like us. Um, for a lot of the world, they need to do that fishing. They're dependent on that. For a lot of people in the UK, they don't care about it because it's like, yo, I got taxes to pay. My kids are dropping out of school. I got all these other things. It's the bottom of their list kind of thing. So, I mean, for everyone, if they can just do like the little things that, that work for them, like it's working it's it's good it's good enough for them kind of thing obviously it needs a lot of people to get involved but involved sorry but they if everyone can do as much as they can you just keep it moving such a good point i think i often find it annoying when people go yeah but you can't change you can't fix the planet simone as one person i'm like yeah i know i can't like fix the planet but 
I'm I'm understanding I think that I ha- can play a big part in becoming the change and if everyone played a part in that then things would change <laughs> yeah just be a more aware kind of thing and just being more responsible like knowing what knowing that everything you do has some kind of consequence and going from what you just said absolutely like we had a very good education I think we have um we come from very fortunate um backgrounds like I do for definite speaking for myself um and it's still surprising to me that as someone who considers themselves from privilege that they I still didn't know a lot of this information so like it was almost like the tools weren't given one I didn't know about them so I couldn't act on anything and I wish I did that and, and some of that could just play in the fact that I should perhaps be more curious and I should be out there seeking more information anyway um but I don't know about you and I'm interested in what you think but there is a big part of me that feels like one day this was just kind of like sprung on everyone and now it feels it did feel to me until I watched Seaspiracy almost too late like, e- even when Greta Thunberg came out, and then I feel like she has perhaps been a big advocate as, like, a child coming mm-hmm. out and speaking out about it, as for more people ha- having an understanding and taking it seriously. But I I just think, like, why did it suddenly, to me, feel like it came out of nowhere? And then when it came out of nowhere, it felt too late. Whereas if everyone was aware of this or like it, maybe they were and they just didn't do anything. But like if everyone had the same like mad feeling that I felt when I found out about it like 20 years ago, then we could have been well on our way to fixing it. Whereas now from the information that people put out, like the the temperature that needs to go, the planet needs to go down in the certain amount of years almost feels impossible because there are people that just like can't afford to make such drastic changes but if we could have all made small changes a long time ago um then it felt like we would have had a chance and now i'm like do we even have a chance the the i guess the hopeful thing is that the generation below us i can't remember what you call them gen z or whatever um yeah like them guys are waking up kind of thing and they're willing to to make a fuss, make a scene, and they're willing to, to hold people accountable. Um, yeah. So moving forward, like, it would be, it's, it's great to know that there's people like that stepping into the shoes of people that know what needs to be done and are willing to make noise. One, yeah, absolutely. One thing that, um, after watching Seaspiracy that I wasn't aware of that made me feel like I had a bit more hope um, perhaps I'll just state two facts from it so then it, this makes more sense. Two massive things that I found... There's, like, 101. I just highly recommend watching it if you know nothing, like, about the ocean like me. Um, but I didn't know that 93% of the world's CO2 is stored in the ocean, in, like, coral and the algae and other stuff. That's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also didn't know that eight, the ocean generates 85% of the oxygen we breathe. So before that, I know there's a huge emphasis on the Amazon rainforest. And that was my main concern. And I knew that um, forest was being chopped down for more animals um, to roam to... What's the word? 
for meat for the meat industry basically as oh. well as people need it for the habitat um but i didn't know that the, uh, that like 93 percent um i mean 85 percent of the oxygen we breathe and then yeah 93 percent of the world's co2 like the ocean is so important at this point if they are the figures like the ocean is in, like insanely important and they say at the end that ocean and marine life uh they actually can thrive at a fast rate if we do just allow them some space. Like if there's no regulations currently on the sea. So if if we put regulations into place and there was um, space for regrowth, animals to thrive again, be left alone, then actually um, the ocean has the capabilities of uh, regrowing at quite a fast rate, which fills maybe maybe i'm wrong but feels more hopeful than um planting trees that and waiting for them to grow in like mm-hmm. well i time. mean <laughs> everything's good but like it's so i watched seaspiracy as well when it came out this this um this weekend or whatever it was um and it is it is good at raising awareness for a lot of these things and it is important that you put something like that into mainstream media and you make it easy for people to see it. Um, but there's a lot of, like, I guess, like, ambiguity about how, how to deal with these problems. Like, if, if it was that easy to deal with these problems, the, they'd be dealt with kind of thing. Like, there's a lot of things which go into place or need to go into place to make this, make this a better kind of situation. Um, and there is people working towards it. Like there's a lot of people that commit their life to this. And it, as it mentioned in there, it can be a dangerous job kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but people are trying and there's a lot of people that are waking up to what needs to be done kind of thing or what, what could be done. It was just the charities that got me, like the charities that are telling us how we can save the planet and save the seas and and can not use as much plastic but that only and a a large amount of them are talking about plastic straws whereas that makes up for like 0.03 percent of why of the damage in the ocean and like in the garbage what's it called it's like there's this garbage bland in the ocean (laughs) The uh, <laughs> Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Yes, like what the uh, fuck? We're disgusting human beings. Um, <laughs> but like a lot of that's from fishing and like fishing nets, uh, and there's just like stuff that could be regulated, uh, is not because again, biz businesses don't care, give a fuck about it, and these charities are being given huge donations from fishing companies, which means that then they don't talk about fishing because they're basically being in my opinion, bribed not, uh-huh. not to mention even, consume less I, fish. I wasn't even aware of all that um, conspiracy stuff, but it's interesting to see that there's, there's two sides to it kind of thing. Like, it's interesting to see that these people that you think may be doing really, really good, um, maybe hiding some, some truths or whatever, but that's just the way that the world works, isn't it? Like, you can't have it all. So true. I think I'm only, I'm still like, as a 26 year old, coming to terms with the fact that that is life. A, a huge part of me goes like, why is that life? I don't get it. <laughs> um, <laughs> what What did you think of Seaspiracy? Are, are the things I'm saying, do they sound accurate? Or in, in your opinion, does it feel like there's more gravitas that could be said from the world and different things and there's more research that we should be doing and other things I mean, that we should I, be looking I, into? It was a good, it was a good, um, 
it's a good documentary. It's really well made and it's good at doing what it designed to do, which is to to bring these issues to people. Um, I know one of the things they say about is let's not eat fish, but I mean, there's a lot of people in the world that rely on on fish, so. Um, Very true. What we can, I mean, but... you can do what you can do, kind of thing, uh, and I understand that message. But to like roll out eating fish, like there's a reason why we protect these things. Like we love this kind of business and this environment to allow people to live live lives. Okay, good to know. Good to know. There was a big thing in it about um, the fact that there's loads of local um, communities who rely on fishing as their income rightly so but then that there's Mm -hmm. a lot of other countries where we've overfished so much that they're now pushing into those communities and then stealing the fish from them so that they're losing their livelihood so yeah i I agree uh fishing is very important and perhaps we shouldn't boycott it altogether but there should definitely be some regulations into like who's allowed to fish where and how much you're allowed to fish and don't steal from other people and don't steal from the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't take up the floor of seabeds. Um, anyway, enough of me chatting about... I think what this documentary probably intended to do is for people like me to watch it and then not stop talking about it because they think they now know everything when they absolutely don't but at least that then other people will be aware of the situation and then maybe they'll do more research and um <laughs> yeah just get people thinking it. about it that's that's the most important thing so off of that what are you now focusing on as part of your um is it part of your course or just something you're also choosing to now focus and go into after university? Um, I mean, it's a bit of both. Like, I just focus my efforts on looking at, well, I guess just being interested in, in what it is that connects people to, like, nature and, and understanding why why they love it and why they don't kind of thing and what's the reasons. Because, like, realistically, to to get people to look after these environments and to make a change. Like, you need to love these things. Don't you? you can't just expect mm-hmm. someone to, to do it and not, and not love them. And one of the main things that I'm really interested in is, like, how did a kid like me not get the chance to have this affinity with the ocean until he was 25 years old or whatever? Um, mm-hmm. And, like, how can we bring more people to do that like, and, and, and make conserving these things about everyone on the planet in, in, as opposed to just the privileged few kind of thing. I think that's amazing. Is there anything that you've, I mean, I may be being too premature because I know that you're just finishing now. So your efforts are probably just now being really focused on it. Um, but is there anything that you've discovered um, that we can that people can do to make it accessible that you can do to make it accessible or like why it's not accessible for people um i think the main thing is um is just that that connection why it's not really accessible kind of thing we didn't we didn't get given that connection when we were kids like we i would be surprised if we look back when we were we were kids and we got given that connection even to the local environments to us kind of thing because i mean they're all amazing they need to be preserved but we don't have any we're not taught about those things are we yeah 
factors like coming down to education and um I don't know about you but I feel like maybe social media now has a big part in how that can be access more accessible for people because I feel like that's how I initially uh, discovered that climate change existed and wasn't a conspiracy theory because that was definitely a thing back in the day that people were like "Mm, it's not real (laughs) Uh, but then, I don't know, I feel like you can fact-check more stuff. You can also fall into traps that aren't fact-check whatsoever on social media, mm-hmm. but perhaps it's an easier, especially for younger people, platform for you to learn. Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, I mean, things are visible from all across the world now that we would never see before, kind of thing. So, yeah, absolutely. You can see something and think, yo, that's amazing. I need to save up and go and see that for, my, for, my, for myself in person. And you can build this relationship um, and then have this affinity. But whereas before, maybe we didn't have that kind of thing. It was just like, yeah, you read a book or you see David Attenborough once every six months, go on TV um, and, and learn from that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Madness. Oh, something that someone said today. Have you ever watched um, There's this series called The Hundred? It's quite old. Not many I think I've heard of it. it. Yeah, I feel like I it was in America it. as well, and I may have... Um, not going to put myself in it, but I don't know if it was available in the UK. <laughs> um, <laughs> until quite late. And there's a new one called... Oh, I can't remember the name. Like, um, Ghost... It's to do with the planet changing so much it all becomes snow rider it, it's on netflix it all becomes it keeps getting advertised to me really really cold and there's a train and then everyone goes on the train to survive because the planet's fucked have you heard of any of those yeah are you asking me if you think we're going to be sat on a train because it gets that bad <laughs> no but like maybe <laughs> i was thinking today because they were having a conversation at work about these series and i was like oh yeah i watched the hundred yeah, the hundred a long time ago and then i was like why did i never draw the can like the connection that's obviously people like many years ago i'm sure the hundred was now filmed and there must be people will be able to name hundreds of films about like the planet fucking up so much that we've become a weird society or like shit happens but even uh-huh. watching them a long time ago never in my mind did it ever i ever cross my mind that, that that would ever be a reality and i'm not saying that like it's going to be really snow and we will have to get on a train <laughs> or that like we will have to go live in space like wally for a bit but like even wally for example was like guys there's a lot of trash going on like there is a thing called like trash city in certain places if we don't do anything about this then you know we we might that might one day happen and never ever did i think oh yeah that's gonna happen one day and now i'm like oh my god i subliminally watched these films that someone was like this could be a possibility in the future and never did i think oh yeah that that's true i should really make sure i like properly recycle and you know do my bit <laughs> Yeah. Shout out Wally, first of all. Um, the I think Day After Tomorrow is one. Same one for me. Yeah. Like, I watched that. Oh I, God, I've watched yes. that like 30 times. Um, and I'm like, yeah, there's no way that these things are happening. Obviously, these things aren't going to happen, but like you never really understood the message kind of thing. Like at the start, it literally talks about climate change and changing in like atmospheric conditions and stuff like this. It tells it the way it is. But no, nah, I just never got it myself, to be honest, either. Isn't it mad? And then like now last this time last year or maybe a bit earlier 
was it Australia? On fire for a really long time, like a, a large uh-huh. section of it. People are dying because of so many more natural disasters, natural, more natural crises, which sound like they shouldn't be happening. Like even like the California like fires in a first world country where rich people live predominantly in the California places that they were hit most all their houses on fire like it feels like stuff that wouldn't have happened previously is now starting to become more prevalent and we will now have to get used to more things like that actually happening and maybe it will take many 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 more years for you know um any of those films to come true but it could be a pos- it's not like that far reaching hey, this you point. never know you never know <laughs> we could be on a train at one point going through the snow we'll see <laughs> i hope not if not us it'll be like several generations time have you ever watched um this is, i hope i'm not uh sidetracking too much there's this film about um Oh, I'm really bad at names of stuff. I'm really sorry. But it's about, like, the smart people in the world uh, don't reproduce because they get accustomed to climate change and other stuff. And they're like, oh, well, we, we won't have babies because we're overpopulated. But then all the... Ser- all the I'm going to say the stupid people because that's what it's lifted in the film. All the stupid people will reproduce and have, like, nine babies each. And then the world is just left and it's just run by stupid people. And then they end up like thinking that they don't need to drink water anymore and like it's just run by ridiculous people and two people wake up because they've been put to sleep have you ever seen it no i've never I'm heard gonna of this have to but... google it real quick because i'm sounding crazy <laughs> at this point yeah whoever wrote this uh this pitch needs to be sat i mean <laughs> i don't know what's going on in that boardroom Idiocracy is what it's called, and it was produced in 2006. And the opening Maybe I'll give it a little quick literally. watch. Yeah, it starts with them explaining what's happened. And um, there was, when I found out about the environment, I was just like, never going to have kids. And I'm not saying I'm an intelligent person and that I should reproduce for that reason. Like, don't get me wrong. But I was like, again, imagine if that happens. Like, people are like, oh, well, we shouldn't because of all this this impact. And then that actually does happen where, like, people who are completely unaware of the environment or just do not give a fuck are left... And then the world ends up crazy. I don't so know. It's funny you mentioned there's a... I think there's a group... Um, I think they're called, like, Population Matters. I think it's something along those lines. And one of their... One of their ideas or their visions of... Of, move, of kind of moving towards a more, like, sustainable future is that we don't have as many kids. Like, that's their thing. Um, I'm not sure if I agree with it, to be honest. It seems a bit fascist to me, but... <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. I don't know where to start on that one. Yeah, I think like there's. If I'm gonna be really honest, there's some gravitas behind that. Like maybe we shouldn't all be having like seven kids. Like my dad's one of six, for example. If or if or oh, actually they kind of. If everyone had six kids each, like we really would be overpopulated, and there really isn't enough like land for that to be a situation. Uh, this is why it's such a pop. Like the thing with seaspiracy is like. Stop eating fish, but it's like, my, my, my G, people need to eat the fish. There's even more people coming. We just need to get the fish back. <laughs> like, just br- bring back the fish for the remix, and then we can look after these people. <laughs> so true, bring back the fish. 
bring them back. Just make more fish. Genetically engineer them. Pop them in the sea. And we're all going to be fine. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, too good. Um, if you don't mind quickly talking about, because uh, on this podcast, you know, I love to talk about moments and when people question what they want to do with their futures and I feel like perhaps and I could get this wrong you questioned what you want to do with your future um and it's always great for people to hear what did you did you have any idea what you wanted to do when you left school um no as in like secondary school yeah yeah nah I school school wasn't for me you know I did school I was okay like whatever I made it through um, I didn't know what I wanted um, and it came to doing, choosing A-levels. This is probably going to go back to one of those conversations you had about the education system, but I chose my... Um, it needs must. <laughs> yeah, I chose my, you know, you write down your options or whatever. And I remember writing down my options, thinking like, I'm interested in any of this stuff, whatever. Anyway, I, I, I did it. And then when they timetabled me in, they were like, yeah, you can't do that. It clashes with literally everyone else. So you're like the only kid in the school who's not going to get to do what he wants. Wait, so, what? Yeah, so like, I, I can't remember what I chose, but like, I remember getting my timetable back and then being like, yeah, we put you on sociology because um, your, your timetable would have clashed with whatever else. And I was like, all right, Wait, cool. they didn't even give you an option. They just said, oh, this is what you're doing, by the way. Yeah, so they were like, yo, here's the options. And then they were like, Psych, I'm taking them options away. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, legit. And then, so, so I was in A, doing AS levels for like, what, like a month or two? And I was like, why am yeah. I even here? Like, I'm not interested in this stuff. Um, I was always interested in like sport or stuff, stuff like that. And then, so I went to, I went to college and then moved into like doing sport. Um, it was like coaching at the time and then went to uni to do sports therapy. And that's what I did for a couple of years. And then I guess you could say that when it, when it changed is when I was maybe like a year or two after, and it struck me again where I was like, yo, this stuff ain't important. I ain't interested in this. What am I doing? So for those two or three years, like I was lost. Um, and that kind of merges with the time, like when I said at the start about how I went traveling and then I, I kind of transitioned into into this kind of thing. I love that. I, I don't want to get all um, spiritual, um, but sometimes <laughs> I feel like this whole time I've been banging on about like finding your passions, finding your passions, and um, yeah, I don't know if people have heard this, if you've listened to quite a few or if you haven't, but every time I talk to someone, especially on the podcast, my opinions change. And I've definitely changed my perception from the first uh, episode. I still think everyone should find something they're passionate about. But I don't necessarily feel like that has to be um, your job at this point. And I also don't feel like you need to set your heart and soul into finding it. Because that can also be really damaging. Because if you don't, then you're you're going to panic even more. Like... And you perhaps might not find something if you're so desperate to find something you're really passionate about. And it's just very amazing that um, you just took some time out not to necessarily find what you're passionate about. Just take some time out from what you were doing because you weren't sure. And then you just happened to find something that you did like and was, I was passionate about. I, as I a was just, of that. yeah, I was just straight chilling, like. I was taking it easy <laughs> and then I mean there was always that perception in my head that like I felt a little bit lost um 
but then I, I do I think it is quite poetic how if you like the things will come to you like whether you you try or not um I guess not the answers but I mean it can point you in a direction um that that will make you it move towards something which which works out for you and one thing which I always I always think to my to myself is like I've done a lot of different things um at even quite like a young age to like just trying new things um and I think one thing to someone's credit who does a lot of things is that if you if you do it and you commit to it and you try new things and you you don't necessarily I guess fly straight but you you do it with intention um you open up so many amazing doors that you wouldn't even realize so true i the really important point like you you still have to be open like a hundred percent believe that yeah stuff comes to you and but you have to be open to things coming to you and you have to kind of look out for it as well otherwise it will just pass you by and for example like you went up to that guy and was like hey do you have anything for me and then you got invested with that and then you invested your time into it and then um stuff came out of it as a consequence where if you haven't invested any time into that or like actively sought out new adventures or new things then it wouldn't have happened like well i guess what i'm trying to say is the likelihood of new and exciting ideas and passions coming to you at home in your bedroom if you've never left the house is maybe unlikely like definitely possible but like less likely than if you were to like open yourself up to new situations or just try a few new things, maybe take a break yeah. somewhere new. It's all about faking it until you make it, genuinely. Like, I'm, like one of these times when I was away, sort of was like, there's this thing, I can't remember what it's called, but you basically volunteer and then in exchange you get to stay at a hostel kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and one of these things, actually, I think he was at the diving centre, he was like, oh, can you deal with this stuff? And he's talking about, like, building docks and stuff. And I'm like... <laughs> Hey, homeboy doesn't have to know that I can't do this. So I'm just going to tell him what I can. Because I'm talking about getting free diving courses. I'm talking about getting free dives, which I'd pay for in the UK for like 60 quid or whatever each time for like an hour. And I'm like, yeah, what can I do to get homeboy on my side so I can, uh, I can make the most of this situation? I build this man a dock. I'd never done this before. I used to be massaging knees and stuff. What's going on? <laughs> Wait... Did you build the dock in the water? I don't know. Well, what dock it was is. more it was more a repair job kind of thing. I wasn't under the water building it, but uh, did you just you know. YouTube it or did you just wing it completely? Uh, yo, there's no internet on this island. <laughs> he just gave me that <laughs> he just gave me the hammer and the nails and was like, here's some wood over there. Sort yeah. it out. I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, oh I love that. Amazing. But it's so true. You do have to wing uh-huh. it. You have to bullshit or you fucking know a bit more about what you're doing and I think that's a huge actually lesson to learn when as you get older because there's in so many areas of my life I go oh no I can't do that because I don't I'm like I don't feel like I'm I'm equipped enough I don't feel like I know enough information about that I don't feel like I've learn enough but actually so much comes from like fucking learning on the job most of the time so Mm -hmm. you do have to bullshit your way into doing it so then you can learn from the experience like 
you can't sit in your room reading textbooks all day until you, you your brain gets a bit bigger. I don't know, like you do a lot of stuff comes from learning on the job, and you if you have to bullshit your way to get there, you have to bullshit your way to get there. Yeah, I think it's about having humility as well, and and being willing to to go to a job interview or whatever it is. It's something you want to try and be like, yo, I may not know it, but like I'm willing to be involved and I'm willing to to see where it takes me kind of thing and to see what I can learn from it. Yeah. Did anyone have any opinions on you changing? Because um, obviously you got a degree and then you got a job. Did anyone have opinions of you changing that job and doing something else? Um... No, nah, my family was cool with it, you know. I think my family knew I was a bit lost. And it's like, I always have this thing in my head where it's like, we're kind of living in this time where it's it's confusing because there's so many options, if not too many options for us. So mm-hmm. I think they kind of expect it. We're not expected to live this life where you, you get married at 21 and settle down anymore. So I think it's kind of exciting for them to see, what's George doing this week kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so... Um, I just, I do remember my friends, um, school friends, like best friends and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I was a little bit like, oh, I'd tell them like, I'm going to do marine conservation. Cause, cause they were obviously like, you George don't care about this stuff. Like that's not my persona kind of thing. If you met me, you wouldn't know kind of thing. If you did like from straight off. And they were like, yeah, I can't believe you're going to go back to uni and go hang out with a bunch of people who don't wear no shoes or nothing. And I was like, Bruh, it ain't like that. They're all nice people. We're just trying to do good. Please respect my people now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to do good. Dude, that's good to know. I do think sometimes people, like the fear of like other people's opinions will put other people off doing stuff. Because I know that's definitely been me several times. Like, I'd rather not tell you my new adventure until I've started it and I feel more confident in it. And then, uh-huh, then yeah. maybe I'll uh-huh. let you in on it just in case. Um, but yeah, then we shouldn't be afraid of what other people think because fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any more tips, any more suggestions on what we can do to be... Well, actually, this is a good... I have one more. I have a question that maybe hopefully not gone too much attention from me because I love a good tangent. Um, what is your opinions on sustainability? Because I feel like that word gets, like, thrown around, bashed around all the time, and a lot of companies slash products are being like, I'm sustainable, but, like, it's a fashion thing. Like, it's now fashionable to be sustainable, so they, like, t- attach a label... What do you, what, are you, do you have any thoughts on sustainability? I feel like it's very important, but also like you, you kind of have to do your research on if something actually is these days sustainable. Yeah, I think, I think you're exactly right, to be honest. Um, of course it's important. If we're not sustainable in everything we do, we can't continue to do it. Um, but as you said, a lot of people, it's easy now for like a brand, like a fashion brand to say that we sustainably source this material or whatever. Um, and then like, I don't know where they got it from. They could have, they, I, I don't know how they managed to do it, but they, they can say it kind of thing. Uh, it I is reading into it. Def- Sorry. No, no, it's just, it's just reading into it and understanding the, the actual reality of it. And like one thing going on from that is um, buy it into things which you you understand and you believe in. So 
that's what I, I choose to do. I choose to make a, like a conscious effort of, I'm not just going to buy some nonsense because it's easy. Um, I'm going to buy something that I believe in the brand and I believe in the way that they function and the, way, the, the kind of the vision they have. That was a great shout. Great shout. Yeah, I think some, I think the definition of sustainability, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I feel like is, I think someone was saying recently that it's quite blurred, so you can whack that on anything um, by definition of it, like, I don't know, even, like, lasting longer, but someone could say they're sustainable, but, like, still don't um, even pay their workers enough and don't have good ethics and actually the material could be ethically sourced in quotations but it's caused damage to something else or like I don't know there's a lot of like hidden factors into the word sustainable that I only recently learned when I found out about you know the the crisis of the environment <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah definitely definitely I agree um yeah, what I was going to say before I asked that question was, do you have any final tips on how we can live a life that's better for the environment or any tips on how we could approach the situation that is the environment? And should we worry that much, do you think, about it? <laughs> um, I mean, the one thing that I would say that I kind of hold, I kind of hold in every situation is to to ask questions and be curious about everything. Um, so as you said about the sustainability thing, asking if it actually is, like how is it, um, seeing if you do actually agree with it, if you want to know about what you can do or, or how we can be better to be more responsible, then like it's as simple as Googling stuff and looking into it. Like the answers are out there and there's people that, that live this life. Like I'm not going to expect people to turn around and be like oh yeah I'm never gonna I'm never gonna eat meat or whatever or I'm never gonna do I'm never gonna drive my car um it's just doing what you can is the most important thing uh and just being as responsible as possible I think I agree that's such a good point question everything and not being afraid to change your mind or opinion on something like Mm-hmm. You might take something as a fact one day. You might get proven wrong. You can change your opinion on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And seek, yeah, seek more questions. Ask, be curious, is what you said. And that's a very, very good slogan saying, be curious about everything. So true, and the environment. <laughs> um, on your course, I just curiously popped into my head. Who is it run by? And is it like a recent course? Is this a recent thing? And I guess I'm asking this because to me, the environment issue was very recent. And I'm very confused um, about if this has always been an issue that I've only suddenly become aware of. Has this course that you are now doing, is it quite recent or is it something that people could have been doing for a while? So the the environment issue is not like a recent thing like that. That shit's been around for a long time. The, um, the course that I do is a new one and it is the only one really uh, in the UK that does what it does. Um, I think people are, I guess, are waking up to the importance of, of teaching other people about this and, and building the next generation to make sure that that information is not lost um, and building this, this group of 
people and this community that allows the messages from like the hard science to be translated into information that the average citizen can kind of understand and kind of get behind. But yeah, it's a, it's only the second year. Um, but like, I can't speak highly enough of it. The people there are amazing. Uh, everyone that I've met through it is, is a really, honestly, like amazing person to, to work with. Amazing. Sounds a bit like Zach and Jamie's course. And I think this is where I'm also changing my opinion on universities, whereas beginning this podcast, you catch me saying university, fucking pointless mate. And unless you're like a nurse or something that you have to go to uni for, because in my experience and from talking to other people, a lot of people didn't learn a lot of shit. Um, you did physio, which uh, you, you kind of need to know that shit to become a physio. So again, important, but I don't know, like other stuff like history and other stuff geography english i felt like we weren't taught skills that we could actually move forward with or do anything with or taught to be curious so i'm so excited that there are new courses that are popping up that sound more um like you actually are learning good shit from basically so do you not think that your your course prepared you no 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 <laughs> I, I was actually thinking about this today and in the last two years you'll catch me being quite passionate about certain things and I could go on a tangent at this point I'm sure I could write essays on some shit that I'm very passionate about but uni I had absolutely no desire to learn or be passionate about the things that I had to learn and a lot of my course was um, essential like I didn't get to pick many of my modules and maybe mm-hmm. that comes down to that, but like the content of the module, I just wasn't interested in. I was like, do I need to use this? I could like list a few facts about some cool, um, um, oh my God, I can't even remember the name of it. Um, you lost cool it already. Artists. I've lost, see, I've lost it already. I could list names of some cool <laughs> artists that I learn about. Um, like Franco B and other people that are doing really cool modern art stuff. But apart from that, now, I cannot remember one essay that I wrote that because I have friends who are writing essays and they would talk about their essays like they were really like passionate about it. like oh I did this really good essay and, and I was like all of my essays are a bit like schoolwork like you have to do them to get the grade but did I like understand fully the content that I was writing about no did I care for the content that I was writing about no um so yeah perhaps that was down to the modules perhaps it was down to like me not being curious enough or like having a big enough interest um another large part of it comes down to the fact that i only had six contact hours a week and the rest of Mm -hmm. my learning was supposed to come from like this list of books that they gave us that were really 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 hard to read like you know when you read a book that's just so full of information that it takes you like two hours to understand two pages it would just be full of that and I was just like I find it really difficult I'm maybe not learned someone that learns very well from reading although since then like other people who make books about other things I'm interesting are underlined I'm quite happy to chat shit about them all day but yeah I don't know I just wasn't I don't feel like I learned a lot I didn't come away from with a lot from uni or many tools or skills that I could use to go forward with let me let me remix this this podcast one time i'm about to hijack this and take over control um 100 percent do the from all the stuff that you've learned from 
since you started this and you started mm-hmm. chatting to these people, would you have done it? Would you have done it differently? Would you have um, gone traveling first, did a gap year? Would you have not gone? What would you, what do you think now? If I did not going to uni? As in like, if you could go back to being 17 and you were making that decision now, what would See, you do? See, this is a different, difficult question because I've said this before. Um, I hate regretting stuff. Like I hate being like, I wish I didn't do that because I've met amazing people that have led on to other amazing things that perhaps mm-hmm. even led me to this podcast, literally just from being one person that I had a deep conversation with. Um, so I think everything happens for a reason, and that sounds quite wanky. But I think to get to this point, it, it's a bit like that film, is it like about time, when every time he try and time travels back, he tries to change something, then his whole life changes. Like, even, like, he changes the moment that he had sex with his wife, and then they end up having a fucking different kid because a different piece of sperm ended up in her womb. Like, <laughs> like, hey, like if there's one thing... If there's one thing that I've learned today is that you watch too many films, Simone. What's going on? <laughs> All it is is film references so, with this girl. <laughs> so true. I don't know. I'm trying to hone in on my craft, George. <laughs> <laughs> Learn from people who are doing the job I wish I was doing. Um, yeah. I can't even remember what I was talking about. Oh, yeah. So I wouldn't go back and chain. But I would always advise anyone else in my position to really think about that decision that they're making. And perhaps if I, like, really didn't want to get sentimental over my life, then I would say, yeah, like, Simone, really look into the course that you chose. And perhaps it wasn't even, like, don't go to uni. It was just, like, really properly look into, like, the content of the course and what you are actually going to learn. Because it's all available. Did I really look at it? Absolutely not. I walked around the Mm -hmm. campus. And I was like, mm. oh, yeah, some of these um, teachers are great. I really like the facilities. Yeah, I'm going to go here. Like, that was literally my decision. And I only visited yeah. two unis out of, like, the whole of my application process. Whereas a course like what you've discussed and a course like Zach's discussed and a few other people that I have now spoken to sound like the content was really, really great and, like, something that um, everyone can benefit from so I think I would tell my past self to really look into that decision a bit and take it more seriously because it actually affected my, my whole life. Not <laughs> It wasn't just like a place that I like stayed away from home for three years. It was actually uh-huh. like a degree that, that meant something. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And perhaps courses are changing all the time and I'm quite impressed that that is the case and people are learning. Like even my drama school, for example, I, I wouldn't say... Um, everything about it was like the the best things that I could learn there's a lot of like stuff that I could say that I wish they did differently that they it was run by a lot of people who were quite old and had didn't hadn't kept up to date with like how the industry is now and when I got into the industry I was like oh fuck I don't need to print off my CV and carry it to an audition because they will laugh in my face because you know that's really (laughs) old school and they've already looked it online um so that was stuff that you know that could have changed and that course has changed so yeah I'm not going to be able to talk about this spying about the lack of universities for much longer because just like schools I'm sure stuff's changing that I now don't know about which is why I'm really keen to like keep learning about and hope that it does change Mm-hmm. Yeah. even with the environment stuff like I hope people are actually learning more in schools about um, 
the impacts that we do have as humans on the environment and climate change is real and it is happening and all of that. Jazz. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had a lot of nonsense in school. I think we used to be in the same maths class. I could not tell you a single yeah. thing we did in there. Uh, George, thank you so much for speaking to me. I'm sorry again that it's longer than I said it was. This always happens. That's all good. Do you have anything else you want to note, say, that's important that you you feel like should be mentioned? Nah, um, I don't think so, you know. Just um, keep doing what you're doing and just enjoying it, isn't it? That's all I'm going to say. I like that. I like that. That's a very good note to end on. Take note, everyone. Take note. Okay, um, are you recording? Yeah. Um, guys, we've come back and I'm annoying George further because I'm asking him to come back. We just had a very interesting conversation off the podcast, so I've annoyingly asked him to repeat himself. But we were just talking about how stereotypically there's certain people that are stereotypically how much I say this there are certain people that you stereotype to care about the environment and it's interesting to understand why that is and then I was saying how I feel like for example if I talk too much to my parents about the environment they immediately switch off or tell me that I'm being too annoying and it's really hard to find the balance of not being annoying and then George raised a very good point that you by trying to to talk about something can just be imposing too much of your views and in that point someone will switch off which is something I think I do all of the time <laughs> mm-hmm. so, and I've probably done in this episode as well <laughs> no 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 um, I think the point we were we were making was that um, by being, I guess that when you talk about environmentalism and I guess anything really where you have this value, a different value to someone else it becomes preachy even if you're speaking to your best friends and you don't want to be that person um, because I, I think I made the analogy that if you walk into a room of people who eat meat which is absolutely fine and you're a vegetarian and you, and you start asking questions like why are you not doing this, why are you not doing that why, why are you still eating meat in 2021 it's like yo these people are still <laughs> If people are still entitled to a choice kind of thing, um, just because you don't agree with it doesn't mean that they're not trying to to do things in do better things in a different way that we don't we don't see kind of thing. So true. I really need to learn from that, even when discussing like because I want to have more conversations about the environment with people down the line but I really need to not fall into the trap of being like here's all the facts and like isn't this crazy and then expecting someone else to agree with me or like jump on that bandwagon and then I also sometimes get really confused as to why they've not when actually everyone's minds are different Mm -hmm. everyone sees things differently um and I'm not already the facts I'm not already always going to be right with the facts and yeah, just because I'm a vegetarian doesn't mean that everyone else needs to be a vegetarian. Yeah, I mean, the the core of of really, if you look at it, the core of environmental, like, beliefs um, is about being compassionate, and that, that means being compassionate about the environment, but also being compassionate about the people and what they can do for it, just everything, and kind of taking everything and doing moving forward with the best that you can. You don't have to be perfect 
but what you can do little and often is better than nothing kind of thing. Absolutely, so true. When I first became vegetarian, my friend who's vegan was like, I try not to put too much stuff on Instagram to do with like, you should become vegan or like tell people um, even like what I'm doing because I don't want it to feel like it's jumping down the throats. And if you, as you're starting off to be a vegetarian, ever feel like you want to eat a piece of meat, don't feel like because you've just labelled yourself a vegetarian that you can't do that because the likelihood of you then successfully continuing to be eat less meat is going to fail because you're thinking about something so much it's actually more beneficial just to like almost curb that craving and then you can move on and like carry on doing stuff as much as possible but like if you can't that's fine absolutely doing everything um if you reduce everything as much as possible not as much as possible that was wrong if you reduce everything then that would be great if possible but it's not mandatory, just any little contribution is helpful at this point. 100%. Okay, sorry I asked you to come back on. Hey, it's all good, no worries. <laughs> Thanks, George. Thank you.